Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Everybody doing all right today? You enjoy your extra hour of sleep. Some of you, you, you thought, hey, the time's rolling back, and so you just wasted that hour, and you stayed up too late, or maybe you got up too early. But uh, hey, let me just first of all, thank you so much for that. Uh, didn't, we did not, we weren't a part of the planning of that. So I, I, I appreciate that so much. Uh, one of our great joys in life is you. Uh, we, we say all the time, Corey and I do, that uh, we have five children, Cooper, Branson, Tucker, Kinley, and Canton Church. Um, we, we, think, we think about you, we pray for you, we talk about you uh, all the time. We dream about you and your future and, uh, and, and other than being called Corey's husband or being called dad by these four children, uh, the greatest honor of my life is being called your pastor, um, genuinely. I, I love you, and, and I, I just want God's best for you. So thank you so much uh, for that. Super, super kind. Uh, we're so thankful for that. Um, you know, I, I, these last four weeks, we've been in, at the movies, and, uh, and I'm thankful for what God did. If you read our weekly email, you saw this in that, but uh, over these last four weeks, we did this series at the movies. Many of you were a part of that. We had tons of new faces, 30 brand new families that came during that series that came to be a part of one or more of those weeks. And over the course of those four weeks, between our kids' ministry, what Pastor Matt did, uh, they did the movie Toy Story, or the four weeks that we had together here in the auditorium, uh, we saw over 20 people give their life to Christ last month. Absolutely. And I realize some of you, it may not be your favorite series. Maybe you didn't like all the weeks we did. Maybe you didn't like the whole thing. Maybe you've boycotted the last four weeks and stayed home. I don't know. But the reason that we do that series is for those 20 people that made that commitment and that decision. And we just want to offer the gospel in a variety of ways throughout the year. And that's one of the ways that we choose to do that. And so I'm so thankful for that. And last thing before I jump into what we're going to do today, you just heard it a minute ago, but I am really, really excited about this coming Friday night and the Woven uh, event, the ladies event. Uh, You know, I told you we dream about you and we pray for you and we think about you all the time. Well, Corey dreams about all year long ways to really create impactful moments for the ladies of our church and our community. And so I want you, if you have not already registered, to get here for that. Uh, we've got child care provided. It's going to be fun. There's food. There's gonna, we've got a guest speaker, Pastor Hannah Ouellette, will speak on Friday. Her husband, Jacob, is going to speak for us next Sunday. But you're going to love this couple from Thrive Church in Denver, Colorado. We're flying them in. We believe they have a word for us next weekend. But even beyond that, like husbands, dads, boyfriends, whoever you are, like you need to get the ladies in your life here. It's worth your time. I, I choose to come in and kind of spy in the background each year when they do this. And it's an amazing night. So we want your ladies here. Bring your friends, get them here. But it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. A couple months ago, Corey asked me to go to the grocery store to get uh, some laundry detergent. You know, we've got kids that play sports and some of their whites get dirty with dirt and clay and those kind of things. And so she said, hey, I'm out. I got to wash the uniform. I need you to go to the grocery store and get me one of these. And she named it specifically the brand and the type and, and to get the whites brighter, right? So that's, that's what I was going to get. And so like any good husband, I took the instructions and I knew exactly what I was getting. I put it in the notes of my phone so that I didn't forget. And so I, I drove to the grocery store and I walked in and I, I found my way to the laundry detergent aisle. And have you been there in a while? There's a lot of choices. There is a lot 
of choice. In fact, I did some research this week just to make sure that I was correct and maybe I wasn't overwhelmed because I, there's something wrong with me. But there are over, no exaggeration, this was in an article in Esquire magazine, there are over 9,000 different types of detergents. Did you know that? They're only made by like six different companies. But between the name brand and the White's Brighter and the Odor Eaters and the this and the that and the H-E and the this. And like you just start looking at all. There's 9,000 different types. And they also now have, I didn't even know this was a thing. They also now have the washing machine washing detergent. You got to wash the machine you're washing the clothes in. That's a thing now, first world problem. So, I mean, I don't even know how you know what you're getting. But I was like, okay. So I opened up the notes section of my phone. I got name brand this specific type, and I walked up and down that aisle as if I was searching for gold. And I got to be honest, they don't, they don't sell that at our grocery store. And so I'm looking, I can't find it, I've looked up, down, and, and I, no other guy I'm sure does this, and maybe girls, maybe, maybe this is not even just a guy thing, but for me, if I get lost in a grocery store or I can't find what I'm looking for, here's my go-to move. Look for the grandma on that aisle. And so there was a little old lady on the aisle, and I said, ma'am, can you help me? My wife sent me to the store. I'm just a stupid guy. I can't find what she sent me for. And so she looks, and I, so she looks, she goes, you know what, honey, I, I, you know, I can't find it either. And, you know, so I was like, okay, well, then they don't have it. If she can't find it, they don't have it. So I did what any good respecting husband would do. I found the next best thing, right? Don't awe me. I, I knew what I was doing here. I went and found the next best thing. So I didn't get the name brand she wanted, nor the exact type that she wanted, but I got like option 1B. I mean, I got it. I paid for it. I walked back into my house, and I got to be honest, I was pretty confident as I walked in carrying, I was like, and at that moment, I saw the look. You know the look, you know? It's that mixture of pity and frustration and dejection, but mostly frustration, where it's like, you stupid, incompetent man. She didn't say that. That was how I interpreted the look on her face. And so then she said, they didn't have, and she named the brand. I said, no, they don't sell that at our grocery store. She said, yeah, they do. I said, no, they don't. You don't know. I was just there. You weren't there. You were here. They don't sell that. She said, yeah, they do. <clears throat> No, they most certainly do not, okay? She said, did you check? And she named a very specific place on the aisle, bottom shelf, over by the thing. I was like, yeah, obviously I checked there. But as she said that, I thought, you know what? I don't think I checked there. I'm not sure that I checked in that spot. But I said, yes. So here's what I did. I picked it up to prove my point. I walked out of that house. I got in my car to drive back to the store to prove to her that I was right the first time. I walked in as smugly as you possibly can, and I laid that thing on customer service, and I said to that lady, I will be right back. And I went to the aisle, and I looked in the exact spot that she told me right. <laughs> Something interesting happened. In the amount of time from the first time that I left until I came back, they restocked our store. They brought new products into the inventory that they had not previously sold. They were trying it out. It was kind of a test market thing. So I picked it up, I went to customer service with my tail between my legs, and I said, hey, I, I got to swap this out, I bought the wrong kind the first time, and my wife sent me back to look again, and I found it. There's a medical term for this, I don't know if you know what it's called, it's called man looking, right? <laughs> you just kind of walk into the room, and you generally look and say, it's not in here, and then your wife walks right in and picks it up and says, it's right there, it's been there the whole time. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real medical condition. And it's actually in the Bible. If you look in the book of Genesis, God took a rib from a man and his eyeballs, evidently, to make women because we can't find anything. Corey read on Facebook this week that if a woman tells her husband exactly where in her purse the item is, he'll still bring the whole purse and say, it's not in here. I don't know. I can't find anything. I found one of our children in there, but I can't find your keys. I don't even know where they're at. So today what I want to do is I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this idea of looking again. Looking again. You know, when we talk about what we're going to preach, what we're going to talk about here at Canton Church, a lot of times those come out in uh, series. We preach three or four weeks in a row around the same topic. But this week uh, is one of those where I, I've just been over the last few weeks really focused on what I believe God would have for us today. And my hope is that today you'll be encouraged by what I believe God has for us very specifically just for today for you that are here. In 1 Kings chapter 17, we read about the story of the prophet Elijah. He's living in a time where King Ahab has really taken the people of God away from the rules and the principles of living by the truths of God. And so uh, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who is a Phoenician woman, she, they are killing the prophets of God because of a decree in 1 Kings 17 that Elijah gave to uh, Ahab and to the people in general when he said, very specifically in 1 Kings 17, he said, it will not rain nor will a drop of dew fall until I say so because of what God is doing in this time. And so over the rest of 1 Kings 17 and then early into 1 Kings 18, we see that Ahab and Jezebel are trying to kill the prophets of God because of what God is saying and doing through Elijah. There's a famine in the land. There is a severe famine. People are dying. They can't even find clumps of grass together so that their, their livestock can find something to eat themselves. And so there is a severe famine that's taking place because no rain has fallen in over three years. And so there comes this moment where Elijah, hearing from God, God says, go and present yourself to Ahab. And so he's going to go to Ahab. But during this season of time, Ahab has appointed an assistant a, a, a palace administrator by the name of Obadiah who still loves and fears God. And so when he hears the decrees that Jezebel and Ahab are sending out to kill the prophets of God, Obadiah is taking those prophets and hiding them in caves so they're not killed. And he's supplying them with food and water. And so he's taking the supplies that they have in the palace and he's giving them to the prophets of God in these caves to try to sustain them. And so Elijah finds Obadiah one day and he says, go and tell Ahab I want to meet with him. And Obadiah is scared. He's like, why do you want me to die? Ahab's been looking for you. He's been trying to find you. And as soon as I go running off and telling him that you want to meet with him, you're, the Lord's going to take you somewhere else, and I, he's going to kill me. And Elijah says, I'll stand right here. And so what happens over these next few verses is that Elijah tells Ahab, we're going to have a showdown. We're going to have a showdown between me and between all of your prophets, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And so as Ahab is getting those prophets together, this is what it says in verse 21 of 1 Kings 18. This is Elijah speaking to the people. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Eventually, they all come together. They all meet at the top of Mount Carmel. And Elijah and these 450 prophets of Baal are there. And Elijah says to them, he says, here's the deal. You choose a bull, I'll choose a bull, and we're going to call down fire from our gods, and whoever sends fire will be the one that wins. And that's who the people will start to worship, is the God that sends fire. And they say, hey, that sounds great to us. 
So they take a bull and they cut it up and then they start calling out and chanting to their God, cutting themselves and singing and doing everything that they can possibly do to conjure up their gods to do what they want him to do. And Elijah starts taunting them. It's actually pretty funny to see sarcasm in the Bible. I love it. It's my spiritual language. So I love that. And so what happens is Elijah's like, hey, maybe your God is asleep. You know, maybe he can't hear you. Maybe you got to scream a little louder. This is from morning to noon that they've been calling. No, no, maybe you need to scream a little louder. And so they continue to do that until the evening prayer time comes. And so when that happens, nothing has happened. And Elijah's like, okay, this is done. You're done. You've had your chance. Now it's my turn. He takes the bull that he has chosen. He cuts it up. He repairs the altar with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. They build a trench all the way around the altar. And then he sends them, remember they're in a drought. He sends them with pails and he says, I want you to go and get enough water to pour over the altar. He's laid the the sacrifice there on the altar and they go and they drench the sacrifice and the altar with water. He says, go do it again. They go and get more water in the midst of a drought and they do it again. Can you imagine the people watching as this is taking place going, why is he wasting so much water? They do it a second time, and then he says, go and do it a third time. They go, and they do it again. Now the water has run over the sacrifice, over the altar, and filled the trench around the altar. And at that point, we come to this place where Elijah prays out loud to God, beginning in verse 36, and this is what he says. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, also known as Jacob, Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know you, Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Now, this is a powerful story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament because it also sets for us the ministry philosophy that we have here at Canton Church. What I believe in my heart is that we are called to work as hard as we can as if it depends on us and then pray because we know that it depends on God. Because what Elijah did is he says, I'm going to build the altar, I'm going to cut up the sacrifice, I'm going to dig the trench, I'm going to pour the water, I'm going to do all those things with the help of the people that are here. As if it depends on us, we're going to do everything within our power to make it happen. And then he prays and says, God, if you don't do this, it's not going to happen. That's what we do here at Canton Church. We prepare, we work hard all week long. Monday through Friday, we try to work like a business to set everything up so that Sunday we can run like a church. Because we believe that when you come to this place, you're not coming to hear me, you're not coming to hear people sing, you're coming to meet with the presence of God. I love this passage of scripture because we see that taking place. It's a powerful, powerful story. But together today, I want us to focus on the next part of the story. Paul Harvey, right? Here's the rest of the story. Verse 40. Some of you won't get that reference. You need to go back and listen. It's, it's really, really good. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. 
as we end our time together today, I want to give you four thoughts here that I believe, as I have prayed over these last few weeks in anticipation of today, I believe for some of you, this is going to be the day you put a stake in the ground and everything changes. Here's the deal. The first thought today I want you to think about is this first question that Elijah asked the people. Are you wavering? Are you wavering? Look at this again in verse 21 of what we read. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between the two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. For some of you, you find yourself in a drought season, however you want to define that. Maybe there's famine in your life. You don't have what you want to have. You're not seeing the same spiritual awakening in your life that you've had at different times. When you're in this room, you see other people worshiping, but you just don't feel like you feel anything, you sense anything, you see anything. Nothing's happening in your life. Maybe your relationships seem to be going bad. Maybe your finances seem to be going bad. Whatever it is that you would define, if you find yourself in a drought season, the first question that I want you to ask yourself is, are you wavering? Could it be that the drought that you find yourself in is because you have not chosen a side? You haven't picked a side. Elijah said, listen, here's the deal. Are, are you wa- why are you wavering between two opinions? If Baal is God, then worship Baal. You have that right. You choose what you want to choose. God created you. That's what I believe. That's what Elijah believed. But he created you with a free will and a free choice that you could choose whatever you wanted to choose in your life. He's not going to force you to worship him. He's not going to force you to choose to believe in him. But ultimately, if you come to that place where you say, hey, God is who he says he is. I believe God created me. I believe that God has something for me. Then you've got to stop wavering and do what Elijah said. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal's God, then follow him. But some of us, when we come in here on Sundays, we come to this place where we go, yeah, man, I worship God on Sundays. I sing these songs. I feel empowered. I make decisions in this moment. But when I get to Monday, I quit trusting in God, and I start trusting in myself. I start trusting in my own abilities. I start trusting in my work ethic. I start trusting in being a good enough person so it becomes about my deeds and the acts that I live my life on. I start trusting politics, I start trusting the stock market, I start trust whatever it is. But listen, if God is God, then follow him. Whatever decisions you make on Sunday, you got to start living out on Monday. We're wavering between two opinions, and when the calendar flips days, we flip what we trust in, what we believe in, what we hope in. I was talking on the phone yesterday with a, a young man, and as I was talking to him, it was amazing, he was... Uh, highly intoxicated during the entire conversation, which sometimes turns out to be a really amazing truth serum. And it was interesting as we talked about the things that were going on in his life, and I said the same thing to him that I'm saying to you right now. Listen, you got to quit living your life hoping to make it from Sunday to Sunday. you got to live your life on Tuesday with the same confidence that you can take on in the moments of corporate worship, In those moments of prayer and response, when you step up to one of these elder couples and they pray and you walk out of this place and you're like, we've got this, I've got this, you got to learn how to live that out on Monday. And let me just tell you, because maybe you assume that everybody else is more confident than you, everybody's afraid. At different times, everybody's afraid. Everybody's not sure how it's going to turn out some days. Everybody's a little bit anxious from time to time. It doesn't matter how much they love God. Everybody is trying to figure this out. But ultimately, you have to wake up every day and choose who you will serve this day. 
Are you wavering? Are you wavering? The second thought. Sometimes you hear the rain before you see the rain. Look again at verse 41, the second part of verse 41. Elijah said, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. There is the sound of a heavy rain. The reality here is that Elijah is hearing it spiritually. He couldn't audibly hear the rain. We know that because of what happens later in the story. It wasn't close enough that he could yet hear the rain, but he could sense the rain coming spiritually because he knew that God had already said that it would be so. All the way back in 1 Kings 17, God had told Elijah, it's not going to rain until I tell you to tell the people. So in 1 Kings 18, when he said, hey, let's go and have this battle at the top of Mount Carmel, and then it's going to rain, Elijah held to those words, believing that if God has ever said it, it's going to come to pass. I remember my great-grandfather telling me when I was a child, we were walking outside of his house one day, and he said, oh, it's about to rain. I thought, did you watch the news before we came out here? How did, that, how did that work? Those of you that have attended here any length of time, you know that I have a thing against meteorologists. I don't mean to. I think they're great people. I hope they go to heaven. I just hope they're on the other side because I don't trust them. I just, I just don't. I think they're making it up. So I was trying to figure out, how did my grand, great-grandfather, how does he know? Like, how did he know it was about to rain? And so I said to him, I said, well, Papa, how, how do you know it's going to rain? He said, because the leaves are turned upside down. The wind had kicked up underneath the trees, and they had started to turn the leaves, and he said he could smell it. Well, wouldn't you know, within a few minutes, the rain clouds opened up, and it started raining right where we were at. He had experienced something in his past so that he was able to see the patterns that if he smelled a certain thing or he watched those leaves turn under, he recognized that that indicated it was about to rain. Well, that's what Elijah's doing here. He's trusting in something he's experienced before. It's what we just prayed a few minutes ago. If you've ever seen God do anything before, you can lean into that confidence when you need God to do something now. And that's what Elijah was doing. He was hearing the sound of rain spiritually because he knew that the voice of God had already spoken it. And so it had to come to pass. God has never gone back on one of his words. He's never gone back on one of his promises. And so because of that, Elijah was able to trust in and speak confidently about the sound of rain that he could not audibly hear. He was living by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us a lot about faith. We're going to spend some time, I think, in January talking about faith. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Most of the time, what we're confident in is what we've seen. What we're assured of is what we can put our hands on, what we can hold to. But if faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we yet don't see, then how can we hold confidently? How can we be assured of something that we don't see? By having faith and a confidence in a God who can see it. We're trusting and believing and faithing, if I can make up a word, in a God that we know can See it, even though we can't see it yet. The third thought is this. You may need to hit your knees. If you're in a drought, if you're in a famine, if you're in a season that you want to get out of, you may need to hit your knees. Verse 42 says, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. This is definitely an indication of him seeking God. God, if you've already said it, what is it that you want to do? What is it you want me to do? 
So the question for me today is how much am I praying about my problems versus complaining about my problems? How much am I actually seeking God, hitting my knees, whether that's literal or figurative? Maybe you don't sit on your knees beside your bed with your hands like this, like the old paintings. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're praying in your car on your way to work. But how often are we talking to God about the drought season that we're in versus just complaining about it and blaming somebody else and blaming the circumstances of our lives? I heard it like this. Prayer shouldn't be a last resort. It should be a first response. Before we go and do everything else that we possibly can do so that we are the ones that work ourselves out of a drought, what if we talk to the God that sends rain? Instead of standing there and cursing the clear sky, how often have we prayed for rain clouds to come? If you're in a drought season, if there's something going on in your life and you hope those circumstances change, I would say to you it may be time to hit your knees. You can probably take the may out and just say, it's time to hit your knees. The fourth thought is this. Go look again. Verse 43. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Several years ago, we had taken our kids to the doctor. That's not a rare occurrence. We have four kids. We spend a lot of time at the doctor. And so we had taken our kids to the doctor, and it wasn't Branson's day at the doctor. Branson's our second child. He's sitting right down here. And uh, at that point, Branson was about six or seven. And so while we waited, those that are parents or have been parents, you know, you're just doing anything you can to survive the waiting room, right? The waiting room is, is kind of like purgatory. It's kind of like almost hell, but not quite yet there. And so you're, you're there, and then they take you back to the room, and they take away all the games, and now you're just sitting there with your pants off. I'm not really sure how that works, but right now you're in the waiting room, and so I've got six or seven-year-old Branson sitting there with me, and so I'm like, Branson, let's play tic-tac-toe. He's like, all right, let's do that. So the first two games were draws. Nobody won, right? And then the third game started, and something different happened. Branson chose a different opening move. Well, I was kind of paying attention. I was also paying attention to the other kids and making sure I was helping Corey as she filled out the 9,000 pieces of paperwork that verify we still live at the same place. And so I was like, all right, Branson, that's great. Good job. Okay. And I wasn't really fully paying attention. I mean, I kind of was, but I wasn't fully paying attention. And we get close to the end of the game, and I realize, oh, my goodness, he's going to beat me. And so I didn't say anything, and I, you know, I tried to make a move that would kind of throw him off the scent. And he made his last move, and he said, good game. Well, I know Branson. If Branson knew that he had beaten me, he would have said, "Woo!" And he'd have just jumped up and danced and hollered and screamed, and he didn't do that, so he didn't know. And so I just said to him, look again. And so he looked back down. And after a couple seconds, he looked up at me. <laughs> with that sense of surprise and joy and pride and like, and then he said, I won. I beat you. Well, come to find out, he was trying to beat me on a different part of the board, and so when that didn't happen, he didn't realize he had actually beat me on the other corner of the board. He wasn't really seeing how it all played together. And I've never forgotten that. I blogged about it then, and I thought about it. I pulled that blog up again this week. What if in your life you're winning and you don't realize it because you're looking somewhere else? Like, what if, what if you're looking in a certain place and you think this is how you're going to win and it doesn't turn out that way and you don't even realize that you're winning somewhere else in your life? You're frustrated on your job. You wish things were better there, but you don't even realize you've never been healthier at home. 
Like, you, you wish things were better financially, but man, your marriage has never been in a better place. Like, you, you wish this would happen, you wish that would happen, you wish these circumstances would take place, and you don't even realize that you've won and you didn't see it yet. What if you just looked again and tried to find, oh, I'm winning. I want to ask Pastor Casey to come here real quick, real quick. Pastor Casey and Haley are over our students and our connections ministry, and I want him to help me for a little bit. He's going, I'm going to play the part of Elijah, obviously. He's going to play the part of the servant. So Elijah bends down. He's down on his knees. He's heard the sound of rain, and he says, go look, go, go look, go look. What'd you see? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, go back again. Go back again. Go back again. What'd you find? Nothing. Okay, keep looking. Go back again. Go back again. Just sit tight. This is going to take a minute. What'd you Still find? Nothing. Okay, go look again. Go again. Go again. Go again. Okay, go back again. Go one more time. Yeah, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. No? Okay, go again, go again. Keep going. All right, Lord, what are you doing here? All right, you got to, you told us. No, no? Okay, go again, go again, go again, go again. Yeah, yeah. What'd you see? You saw but it's really small. The servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, I promise you that's not what the prophet had been praying for. He had been praying for rain. And here's the truth. Some of you, even in the midst of that illustration, were frustrated that it was taking so long. And in your life and in mine, we get frustrated because we have to pray longer than we want to. And when we get the answer to our prayer, it looks different than what we've been praying for. We've been praying for rain to end the drought. And when God sends it, he sends it as a cloud the size of a man's hand off in the distance. But you got to go look seven times to even see it. The first six times, you didn't see anything. Do you recognize that if you would have given up after the first time, you would have missed it? And the second time, you would have missed it. And the third time, you would have missed it. And the fourth time, you'd have missed it. And the fifth time, you'd have missed it. And the sixth time, you'd have missed it. And it wasn't until the seventh time that you saw anything, and it looked so different than what you'd been praying for. But it was the end of the drought. They marched around Jericho in the book of Joshua, and he told him, he said, march around for six days in silence. Worst military strategy in the history of mankind. Don't say a word. Don't do anything. Don't fight anybody. Just walk around and be quiet. I think he was challenging them to trust him because it's really hard for church people to shut their mouths sometimes, me included. And then he said, on day seven, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around six times in silence. Don't do anything. Don't say anything. But on the seventh time, shout for the city is yours. No, it wasn't. The walls were still up. They started shouting, and nothing about their circumstance had changed. If they would have given up, they would have missed the miracle. There was a man that needed to be healed, and Jesus told him to go and dip himself seven times. Today, we're not teaching about sevens or the number seven or what it means. You can find all that kind of stuff on Facebook. I'm just telling you that if you give up too soon, you will miss what God wants to do in your circumstance. The drought probably won't end the first time you pray about it. The drought probably won't end the fifth time you pray about it because God wants you to trust in him to change your circumstance and he wants to see if you're willing to trust him when what you see doesn't change. Go back again. 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 Go back. What do you see? Well, it, it's different. I don't, I don't know that this is what you were praying for, Elijah. 
And what does Elijah do? As soon as he hears that there is a cloud the size of a man's hand, that's pretty small. As soon as he hears it, here's what he says to Ahab. You better get in your wagon and you better get going because if not, the rain is going to stop you. And verse 45, which is not on the screen, says this. The sky grew dark and the clouds got bigger and all of a sudden a heavy rain fell. If you're in a drought, if you're in a season that you're asking God to change your circumstances, whether it's your physical health, your spiritual well-being, some type of relational need, financial need, whatever it is that you're asking God to do, it could be that you've given up too soon. Quitting can be good sometimes. You know that? Quitting can be good sometimes. If you've got a habit or an addiction that you need to quit, I would encourage you to quit. Quitting's not bad. Giving up is always bad. Giving up is always bad. If you give up too soon, you're going to miss what God has for you. And I believe over these last few weeks as I've been praying for you, that God wants you to think about these things. Are you wavering? Have you just not quite made up your mind in the way that you actually live and not what you just say with your mouth about who you're going to trust and who you're going to believe in? Have you not heard the sound of rain because you're not listening for it, because you're not trusting the words of God that he's already spoken because you can't see it with your eyes? Can you be assured of the things that you don't see yet? Is it time to hit your knees? Pray and trust God and believe God for more than what you see with your eyes. And do you need to just go look again? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody looking around. Just a moment between you and God today. If you're here and you say, Jeremy, I'm, I'm maybe one of those people that has been wavering in my life. Maybe I've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe I have, but I'm not really living that out in any tangible way. I just kind of prayed a prayer one time, but I've not asked him and allowed him to be the Lord of my life. And today I want to make that commitment. I want to put a stake in the ground. I want to quit wavering. I believe God is God, and so I'm going to follow him with everything that's in me. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. And now if you would say to me, you know what, today I just need... I just need God to show up in some area of my life. I, I need a drought season to end. I need a miraculous sign from God that he's at work. I need him to do something that I know I can't do on my own. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. So many hands in this place. God, we love you today, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you give us second chances and third chances and 88th chances and 1,246th chances because you're a God of grace and mercy. And so today, God, I pray for every person that lifted their hand to trust you with their lives, forgive their sins, and lead their lives. Let them put a stake in the ground and change the trajectory of their life and for generations to come because of the commitment they're making today. God, I'm asking you to help them not to waver, but to trust you. God, help us today to hear the sound of the rain that's coming. God, help us to hit our knees and to pray and to talk to you and to trust you. And God, let us keep looking for the signs of what you're doing in our lives. Don't let us give up. Don't let us give up. Don't let us give up. Let us keep searching and believing that you're going to show up in our lives. God, we thank you today. I pray for every person that lifted their hands today, asking you to do a work in their lives. They can't do it on their own. So God, we ask you today to perform a miracle in their circumstances. God, we believe you can. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 